Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey everybody, it is Sarah Larby and welcome back to this week's episode of Where Should I Invest? This is gonna be another special episode just talking about our opinions, and what we think is happening currently as uh, all of this chaos is happening around us with Corona, the economic downturn potentially for Canada. And uh, I brought in Matthew Frederick, who has been a real estate investor for almost 30 years, 29 years. And he's pretty much done many, many types of real estate investing strategies and has invested across Canada as well as in businesses and residential and commercial mixed use plazas, et cetera. And uh, just to get his opinion on what is happening currently in the market, what we are projecting. And again, these are just our opinions. We do not have crystal balls, so take it with a grain of salt. But I like to have these types of conversations because it is what's happening today. This is real life. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, feel free to let me know. Send me an email, sarah at sarahlarby.com. Or you can go to the contacts me page, which is sarahlarby.com. That's the website. So on that note, hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Hey, Matt, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Sarah. Great to be here. I'm doing very well. Awesome. So I wanted to have you on. We're going to have a bit of a different show. And just to get into what's actually happening around us, some of our predictions, I will preface this by saying these are our opinions. Feel free to form your own. And you may or may not agree with some of the stuff that we say, and that's 100% okay. Hence why I do these podcasts, because it's nice to get some opinions and, uh, and thoughts. And I couldn't think of a better person than somebody who's been in the industry for how many years has it been now? 30? Yeah, 29 going on 30. Nice, nice. So what do you think is going on with this whole corona, COVID, when it comes to the economy and the real estate market specifically? Well, you know, about three years ago, four years ago, I sat down and I plotted out all these types of pandemics or situations. And, you know, actually, I put it on a sheet of paper and I'll kind of just read it to you. So it, it prefaces what I think is happening. Just really quickly, I'm going to give you six points. 1918, 50 million flu pandemic, dead. 1952, polio, just in the US alone, 60,000 cases. 84 is when AIDS and HIV came out, to date, 35 million dead. Now, those are all like 30 years apart. Now we look at SARS in 2003, 8,000 cases, 774 dead. We look at uh, H1N1, half a million people dead. In 2009, 2012, tuberculosis, 2014, Ebola, 2016, Zika, 2019, Corona. So we go from 30, 34, 32, 19 year spreads to six and three year spreads. It seems like every two or three years, this is happening. This is a fact, which means it's going to keep happening. This is the new normal, and people have to prepare and actually do real estate with the thought in mind that every two, three years, there could be a disruption. I mean, it's been happening for the last 20 years. It's proven. So now it's a new normal, and we have to begin to do real estate within that realm. And that's what I believe is happening right now. That's interesting and interesting stats for sure. I mean, it's always going to be something, right? There's no good time to get in the market. I mean, it's about time in it, not timing it. But how are you preparing 
or how did you prepare as you've been in real estate for a while for these types of things? So for the last 10 years, I've been applying this RI method, meaning recession proof and internet uh, compatibility, which means every single tenant I put into a property, of course I go through the standard screening like everyone else does, but I look at their occupation. And for the last 10 years, I've said, is this a recession proof occupation or is it an occupation that can be replaced by the internet? And therefore, all, today all my tenants, most of them, probably 95% of them, are in a recession-proof, internet-protected occupations. Also, when it comes to my commercial plazas, all my stores, I generally tend to put stores in or convert, um, you know, as soon as somebody leaves, I bring somebody in who is recession-proof. Like, you're always going to need pizza, always going to need uh, a corner store. Uh, so those stores are internet and recession-proof. Now I'm adding one more letter, a letter P. So now I have recession internet and pandemic so r.i.p i'm using like a like a rest in for rest in peace as well <laughs> because right now i'm resting in peace because i've used that system uh, to protect me from recession internet and pandemics and pandemics is just essential services so now whenever i have a tenant coming in are they an essential service tenant the business that i have coming into any of my plazas or retail is it a pandemic proof uh type of business and today because my tenants have always been that way for the last decade, I'm not really going through a lot of pain. My people are paying. Because years ago, I did see that trend. So you're known as the commercial real estate guy. Are these tenants all businesses or are some of these tenants residential? So obviously you can buy a multifamily building, you know, six, 12, 24, 36 units, and you can buy an office building or warehouse, self-storage or retail, I've always focused on the mixed use where I have maybe six to eight stores and right above that, six to eight apartments. I like the combination. Now, I do have the multifamily, let's say 24 units, but those tenants are recession internet proof. That helps me. I don't tend to go with office buildings. I find it very hard to keep full, always 85% capacity. Someone comes, somebody goes. And uh, so warehousing works really good when the, the, the economy is great. Self-storage works no matter what, I find. But because I've had a lot of mixed use, I have the strength of the apartments. People always need a place to live. Then I have the strength and the income of the businesses, which much higher than the, the regular apartment uh, dwellers' uh, rent. And of course, the business takes care of more of the physical building out of their pocket. So the mixed use has always been really good to me as a commercial person. And today I'm doing well with that, even in this time. So who are some of the residential tenants? So you were saying that you're looking for somebody that's going to be recession proof, AKA pandemic proof that the internet's not going to take anything away. Like what kind of jobs or income are they bringing in? Okay. So even though right now, let's say hairdressers and the folks who work on nails and beauty right now, they're not working because of the pandemic. But technically, that's an internet-protected business. If I want a haircut, I can't send my hair to India, get a cut, and send it back to me. I have to do it here. If I want to see a doctor, although there are doctors online, I do want to go in and see my doctor, a dentist. You know, so these are jobs where people have to be here. Uh, they can't be taken away from the, by the internet. At the same time, if there is a recession, you still need to, to you know, go to the grocery store. You still need to have garbage picked up. 
you still need certain things to be done. So it's any job right now that people are still working, even though the, most of us are not, we're relaxing. If the tenant is in those, that field, usually that's a recession internet, and in this case, pandemic proof, when it comes to the apartment type of tenant. And then you would have what, like a doctor's office or dental office in the main floor commercial spaces? Because I'm, I'm guessing these doctors and the dentists are not going to rent the like <laughs> residential units, but they're getting what, the commercial space? Yeah, so I've, all, I've always gone for medical retail, but mainly because the population is getting older. One of the largest parts of the population are the baby boomers, 56 to about maybe 69. And uh, they do need medical situations, medical health. Also, you have the golden generation, which are, you know, 70 years old to 84, 85, 86. So I always knew that medical would be important. So I always uh, read to doctors, dentists, orthodontists. I deal with accountants, lawyers, again, convenience, like a female-only gym, pizza, uh, things like that, that people tend to want to always access in tough times. And, and therefore, it works even now. All right. Interesting. So... I guess you got paid from your tenants yesterday. None of them have given any excuses or any reasons or any ask for delays. Well, yeah, in my case, and we're talking quite a few tenants, we did receive everything that we required. Keep in mind, though, we did put information out two weeks ago with regards to here's what's happening. Here's what you can do. Here's how we can help you. Uh, here's what's available. But again, the people that I tend to rent to, like the ones that I did not inherit, because sometimes you buy a building, 30 units, you inherit 15, 16. Uh, you didn't choose those people. And some of those folks may be great folks, or they may not have, let's say, the character required. And some of them are just good people who are on a very tough situation. And that's what's happening right now. So we're fortunate to have put together a plan to help them, you know, a few weeks ago. And there's a plan to continue to help them if need be. That's interesting. So yesterday I was on one of the Right Club weekly Wednesday webinars that we're doing now moving forward and Claire Drage was on it and she was talking about character and she was uh, bringing it up because there's a lot of people that are all of a sudden going out and getting their mortgage deferred and literally like as soon as it was announced called in and they're basically claiming that they have financial hardship and these could be some investors as well and she was saying you know the character piece it makes me question that because if somebody's all of a sudden declaring financial hardship after a week, you haven't even been paid from your tenants. How do you go about that? And I would, I would think twice before loaning out my money as a private lender, or, you know, I'm sure a private lender will think twice when they see this person declared financial hardship. And then maybe the banks, you know, in three months from now, if they're not paying their mortgages, will say, why are you asking us for another property? You, you clearly, declared financial hardship, how are, am I going to loan you on something else? So something to consider because a lot of people are, and I don't know what your thoughts are, and I'd be curious to see what, uh, what your thoughts are on that, but is that something that you would recommend people do? And uh, of course, if they absolutely need to, I get it, but what are your thoughts? Well, I totally agree with everything that you just said. Now, character is important, but you have to remember something. Just because somebody has character doesn't mean they won't bend to the left or bend to the right. Character means sometimes when you bend, you know you bent, you felt guilty about it, and you come back again. So good people with good character, which takes a lot of years to build. Sometimes you're born with a certain attitude, but you know, in the end, it takes years and years to build. Someone with good character will not just change overnight. 
and stay that way. They tend to feel guilty. So yeah, some people may take advantage of it. They'll eat the top of the muffin because that's what I do. I eat the top of the muffin because I like it. But then at the same time, you know what? They come back to, to line and they will say, hey, you know what? Do I want to live off $2,000 a month? That's not me. Do I want to stay home? That's not me. You know, do I want to get myself into deeper and deeper debt because it's being deferred? That's not me. Now, if you're in a situation where the ship is sinking, leaks popping up everywhere, yeah, you have to defer in order to survive. But I wouldn't do it unless I had to do it. I wouldn't do it unless my tenants are telling me it's going to be an issue. And if that's the case, I better kind of do it, get it started so that at least I have that protection. Because it's toughest to think through uh, when you're in a very stressful situation, stressed out, it's very hard to think straight. So if you realize that it's going to happen to you, yeah, you might take a deferral, knowing the facts that the computer systems may not be, the systems may not be ready to handle or process it. So keeping that in mind, yeah, you might take it. If you don't have to, I don't think you should. Yeah, no, I agree. Look, I'm not, I'm not bashing anybody here that's going to be going bankrupt if they don't take it. But I've just seen a lot of people going and just saying, oh, this is available. Then two days later, they go and call and try to get a deferral. Um, that I don't particularly agree with because you don't even know if your tenants are paying or not. At this point now, if you've got you know half your tenants that haven't paid because this is we're in the second or third day of April right now, it might be a different story if if you can't handle it. But you know it is important to prepare for times like these, right? You prepare for the good and you prepare for the bad. Other than making sure, Matt, that your tenants are recession proof, as you say, what else are you uh, are you doing to handle this storm? I'll give an example. I have a company, I'm a partner with it. We make small engines, so small motors. So right now we have about 32 employees who are not working. They're, they were off for 30 days. So right now I can be upset with that. I mean, we are paying them, but I use the time to allow my machinery to rest and do some maintenance. We have some people in there, we're doing certain things. I'm also using this time to snatch or to, I shouldn't say snatch, to, to uh, acquire a couple employees from my competitor, who's a larger competitor than myself. I've been trying to get these employees for years. Now they're laid off and now I'm, I can get them. And I'm looking at a few employees of mine that have been underperforming and perhaps not in the right field. So I'm hoping that maybe they move on. So I'm using this downtime to uh, reshuffle the deck in order to be more effective. So in real estate, I'm looking at every single one of my properties because right now it's raining. And I want to see which roof is leaking, which means which property do I have that's causing me the most trouble? Now, today, yes, my rents have been paid, but I don't know what's going to happen next week or the week after or next month or the month after. But whatever properties are showing me uh, roof leaks, then I will begin to decide, do I keep, do I patch, and do I get rid of? So it's, a, it's, it's how I think and what I apply in this downtime. Listen, like uh, Churchill says, when you're in hell, don't just stand around. You just keep going. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment and pause the podcast interview here because I wanted to introduce you to Dahlia Barsoom of Streetwise Mortgages. I am a big believer, as you guys probably have heard, work with a mortgage broker. They are going to help you scale. And when I was first growing in real estate investing and looking to buying my second property and my third property, I was going directly to the bank then. I hadn't met Dahlia yet. 
And I actually was hitting a roadblock when it came to financing because the bank started asking me for 25% as the down payment. And then for my third property, they wanted 35%. And it was really, really hard for me to A, understand why it was creeping up like that. And B, I didn't have 35% to put down. I had 20%. And luckily, I actually met Dahlia at that point in time. And Dahlia is actually an investor herself, and she works with many, many investors. And she knows all the pitfalls and the barriers that normally come up with dealing directly with a bank and all the different lenders. And Dahlia was actually able to not just find me proper alternatives, but I've got nine properties now, and I'm still able to get financing with A lenders, and it allows me to be able to scale up without hitting the financing wall. And so she's been a tremendous help. So the other thing I really, really enjoy is Dahlia also does a free goals analysis. So if you go to either my website or her website, streetwisemortgages.com, mention the podcast and ask for the free goals analysis, it was a game changer for me. And it allowed me to actually understand what I needed to do, how many properties I was going to get because of the cash flow that I was looking for. If you guys wanted to reach out to Dahlia, you can reach out to her by email, which is info at streetwisemortgages.com. Or you can actually reach out to her on the website at streetwisemortgages.com and then just go to the contact section. And you can also call her at 1-800-208. 6255. Thanks for listening and back to the show. And now back to the show. Yeah, that's funny. Well, it's true. So, what do you think is going to, I mean, nobody has a crystal ball. I don't have a crystal ball. You don't have a crystal ball. These are just our opinions. But where do you see real estate in three months and six months from now in Canada? Okay. Well, here's what I'm seeing happening. So, uh, over the last year, and I've been mentoring people, I take them to doctors, dentists, orthodontists, pilots, uh, financial bankers, and some of these folks are pretty high up in their attitude that their job is supreme. Well, in the last week, I've had some phone calls from these very supreme, secure jobs. The same people called me and said to me, hey, Matthew, uh, you know, I know we talked about uh, you know, recession-proof real estate, about eight months ago, can we talk about it again? So I think people who have access to money, who are, let's call it, uh, pretty high up, didn't think they probably needed the, the smaller man, smaller person. Today they realize we're all in the same thing together. And uh, there's money that's gonna be available. They just don't have the time. They have, they're still working 60 hours. So that's gonna be a possibility to get JV partners to bring money to go towards certain buildings. Now. With my students, I go out and we do some door knocks and we actually speak to building owners. And a lot of them for the last year or two have had an attitude, I'm never going to sell my building. Don't bother me. Well, those same people today are going to sell their building. Because some of them have a portfolio of 10 buildings and you know what? Sometimes they, today they want to get rid of a few of them. So things are shaking. Things are opening up. There are people who did not think they needed real estate who are realizing they do. That's recession. In internet and pandemic proof real estate and there are people who have real estate holding on to too much and they're maxed out they want to release a few of these gems that they didn't want to let go of before so by bringing both together there is assignment fees wholesaling and there's also the jv partner to fund the real estate so i think it's a great time whether we're talking about a 
you know, a four unit property or a larger property. And lastly, there are people out there with that piece of land right beside their house. And now they're like, what can I do with that piece of land? And when we approach them, we don't say, hey, we want to buy your land and profit on what you can't profit on. We say, we want to buy your land and uh, maybe we can do something together where you can chip in the land and refinance your house. We'll chip some money in and we'll build a modular or a prefab house. The same thing, Sarah, that, that we're looking at right now, the Empresses are looking at to build prefab buildings uh, much, much faster. You know, so there's the opportunity with, with lots as well. So there's lots of opportunity if you meet the right people and educate yourself. Get some hand-holding uh, to get through this process. So to me, it looks good. Okay, that's interesting. What about uh, vendor takebacks, VTBs? What's the opportunity? I mean, the way that I'm looking at it too, there might be somebody that's, that's trying to get a certain price that's sticking to the price and then all of a sudden, potentially, the market might drop temporarily, but you know, could there be an opportunity for offering a VTB at, at that said price that they want for a certain amount of years? Like, what do you think the opportunity for that will be? So you're saying that the person selling the property will allow the buyer to pay them over a period of time. That's what you're saying, right? Well, let's just say they want to sell a property for a mill, but all of a sudden that property may be fetching like 750 or something along those lines, but they still are trying to get a mill. Like, would that open the door for saying, okay, well, your property sat there for a while. It's probably not going to get a million and for another two to three years, regardless, maybe the market will drop. And I don't have crystal ball, I don't know, but I like the way that I would look at it is that person may be more motivated to do a VTB at that point in time versus three months ago. Yes, so everything you just said there is correct. The approach I would use is, hey, you know what? I wanna buy your property. Obviously the banks are a little bit tight right now. And I know that you are not prepared to sell that property, which means you're probably not in a good position to receive all that capital gains. So tell you what, if I buy your property and you hold a mortgage, you don't receive all of the income, you can carry this for the next five years and you can receive your money in portions when you're in a better tax situation. Because right now, people who are selling, doesn't mean they're tax-wise, let's say, in a good position to get all that money, that whole million. I might say, why don't I you know, bring to the table $700,000 through cash and bank and the 300000 that I owe you, at least you won't pay capital gains on that for five years. That might be an advantage. Secondly, some of the older folks who own these buildings, I might say to them, hey, you know what? If you want to keep an interest in it, because older folks hate to give stuff up, especially when you grew up in the war, you hold on to everything. I'll give you a way to keep an interest in this building. I'll buy it from you, but I'll pay you an annuity, which means if you give me a VTB, you still have an interest. You're not an owner, but you have an interest because I'm paying you a mortgage. And at least that mortgage means you're still connected to the building in some way, shape, or form. And older folks understand the word annuity because they're receiving pensions and things like that. So yeah, VTBs are great. There's lots of different ways to package it when you speak to these folks. But uh, I think it's time to ask for those things, 100%. So one to save taxes and one to keep an interest in the building, but at a distance and receiving payments like an annuity. All right, awesome. What's your opinion on small businesses and the strip plazas and the ones that are shut down right now? Like, if you had to guess what would happen when I would say in July or August, like prediction, and it's not like no one's going to hold you to it because these are opinions, but what do you think? Well, certain services are being built up right now. Like, I haven't had my hair cut. Now, I don't have long hair, but I haven't had my hair cut in a long time. I see a lot of uh, ladies out there 
with dark roots, uh, halfway down blonde. So people have to go and uh, get their hair done or have to get their nails. People have to go to the gym. So there's certain businesses that I think there's a pent up action that people are dying to go and do that again, to go and see movies, to go and eat at a restaurant, to, to travel. So I think as soon as uh, things, the all clear is, has been sounded, some of these businesses that may be closing down, there's a lot of pent up need for those services. Here's one thing. We're not here because the Canadian worker is lazy. We're not here because the business owners are sloppy. We're not here because the government is creating some hardship for the person to run business. Our economy is going pretty good. We're here because of pandemic. And therefore, once the pandemic clears, that same efficiency in the, in the, uh, the Canadian worker, that same effectiveness as a business owner, that same fair play that we can conduct business in a fair manner in this country, as opposed to some other countries I've been to, where you got to pay people off for everything. And the government's not in our face. They're giving us better tax breaks. I mean, it's there. So we will return to that. It's not as though we were doing bad in those areas. It'll take some time to return, but the fundamentals are good. We're not lazy in Canada. And people would rather not sit home and do nothing. If I said to a doctor, you know, you make half a million, you work 60 hours a week. Why don't I give you a 40 hour a week job driving me around for half a million? Do you think a doctor would drive me around for half a million, 40 hours work? No, he would say, or she would say, I'll take the 60 hours. I'll take being a doctor because people have pride of ownership in their property and themselves in Canada. That's not going to change. It will come back. Yeah, I mean, I can see that view. I also think that, you know, when you look at all of the unemployment happening right now, I don't think they're all going to come back to jobs. I mean, there's a lot of businesses that are not going to be at full capacity for a long time. There's a lot of businesses that probably aren't going to come back because they're not going to be able to sustain being off for that long. So, you know, I, th I still think that there's going to be a higher unemployment rate. But, you know, I guess time will tell. It's... Um, I, I know that Canadians at some point, like there's a lot of fundamentals that work well. And it's also, I, I think it's also a matter of like when our borders come back up and reopen and have like, there's a lot of people with Airbnbs right now that are empty because of the, the lack of people coming in and out. And then the other thing is immigration. What's going to happen to our immigration numbers? We always had that in Canada. And is that going to reopen every single year? Are we going to have the same amount of numbers coming in? And, and when is that going to happen? It's going to be interesting to see. Well, I, I agree. I mean, there are people right now who are hurting. Uh, their rent's not being paid. Airbnb businesses are, that are not receiving that, that uh, you know, the money anymore. People could be closing. That's all true. So I don't, uh, I'm not taking light to that. That's painful. You know, again, I, I've had lots of businesses. You know, I'm a real estate investor, but I'm more of a business person. I've had lots more businesses than I do, let's say, real estate. You know, so I do understand what you're saying. That's all true. But a few other avenues are also at play here. For instance, people are now working at home thinking, hey, you know what? Maybe I could work from home. People are now beginning to discover, hey, I'm actually married to this person. And these are my kids. I never saw my wife or my kids before. So they're beginning to realize maybe they don't have work-life balance. So some of those people who don't go back to work they may find an opportunity where they can still do a balance of working at home, maybe some at work. You know, there, there's going to be change with regards to how we do things, you know, going forward. So people that don't go, go back to a job may end up creating their own business in an online fashion as we're talking today. 
again, there are people hurting, people suffering, and for them to get through the next six months, I'm hoping that the government, like Rob Ford, I'm not a political guy here, but you can't say something like, don't pay your rents. That's like saying, just get in debt. I mean, landlords have to work very hard. But one more thing too, you know, so shame on me, shame on you, shame on all of us as real estate investors, that in the good times, we were not advocating for a stronger position for landlords. In the good times, we're just working hard and receiving <laughs> money. Now in the bad times, we're like, okay, let, let, let's now get some advocates. Well, we need advocates. But you and I, everybody else listening, in the good times, we should have been planting and planning for the drought. So now we have to find someone to lead the, the show here. We have to have an advocate. And I think you were speaking to a young lady last week that I was very impressed with, but we have to have an advocate in good times and bad times to represent us as landlords because we work hard and we take risk. And a lot of people that I know, uh, they don't have the, the, the ability to, to lose rent on two properties. That's $3,000 a month and then go to work and try to pay that off. That's not a reality for a lot of people. No, I think, so you're referring to Kayla Andre and she is the founder, president of Ontario Landlords Watch. And she's been advocating for years. And I think a lot of us have not given her the attention that I think she deserves in the good and in the bad times. And it takes something like this to say, wow, we are so far behind because now what I just get so angry about is tenants. And like, luckily I have good tenants and they've all paid. So like, this is not, a, this is not a fight for me. This is a fight for all landlords out there. But there's a lot of people that have not paid their landlord for months and then all of a sudden the board closes and I've talked to some that were like so close from getting their actual eviction and everything was going to be done. And now it's going to be closed until I guess whenever they've determined and it's still open and it's not going to be, it's not going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be having to sell or having to declare bankruptcies because of all of a sudden these tenants cannot pay and some will not pay. They, they choose not to. That makes me even more angry but some tenants will not be able to pay. And then there are landlords who are not millionaires and they're maybe just trying to like, you know, get something a little bit extra to help pad their retirement or whatnot. Then all of a sudden they're carrying their own stuff. Maybe they, the landlord lost their job. Now they've got to carry the, try to carry the property that the tenant's not able to pay or cannot pay or won't pay. But the landlord tenant board is going to be delayed by many, many, many months. This is going to like put a whole strain on the system and like, yeah, you know what? Shame on us for not having fought a little bit for fellow landlords sooner. And now we're, we're waking up and now we're saying, okay, crap, Kayla, like help us. <laughs> but now we're in the midst of all of this. This is probably not the good time either. They, they, they may not want to listen to us in times of, of urgency where people are getting sick left, right, and center. No, I, I totally agree. And right now there are people who are suffering who did everything right. You know, you bought a property, you're fixing it, fixing it up to sell it, having a hard time. You bought a property, you put a lot of work into it, and you're renting it out, and people are not paying their rent. And that's really, really tough. Now, I got to tell you, investing for 28, 29 years, I've been through that. I recall 2007, 2008, my properties in Florida lost $300,000. I remember in Alberta, 2009, when oil prices went down to like $37 a barrel, everything I had out there was destroyed. I remember in 2016, there was a fire in Fort Mac. You ever watch one of your houses burn? You know, your house burns a brighter yellow when it's your house. So it's painful. But, you know, I mean, I've been through that. And at the same time, uh, even in BC in the last, uh, last year, 
prices dropped. So I have to remember that as tough as times are that I'm in now or you're in now or it, people have gone through this before and you have to compare yourself to you know, other generations. I mean, some people grew up in World War II, <laughs> bombed out cities in Europe. I grew up in the 70s thinking we would never make it to the 80s because we were in a cold war. This is your new reality right now, that every three or four years, there's going to be pandemics. We are not treating the earth the way we should. We're literally raping it. And as you're doing, treating the earth horribly, there is cause and effects that happen. And you know what? We've not been treating the earth to, you know, correctly for the last hundred years. So therefore, these things are happening. And it's not the younger generation. It was my generation. People are 55 and above. So that's what we've done to you. So you got to beat us up and make us, you know, hold us to, to the standard to get our heads right again and treat the earth correctly because it's your earth. My daughter's 12. It's her earth. So we have, we have to prepare for this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I would say as a landlord or as a real estate investor, of course, you got to prepare for, for everything. But, you know, hopefully this is also a lesson in having a buffer, right? There's so many Canadians that just live so close to the edge. And, you know, if you, you, you could lose your job, you could get sick tomorrow. But if things like this also happen and you've got to support yourself, it's always good to have, like, I think, a six-month buffer to with, be able to withstand whatever happens. Because you don't want all of a sudden to, something like this to completely wipe you out. And the unfortunate thing is it's going to wipe out a lot of people. I mean, that's my prediction. I think it's going to wipe out a lot of people the longer that this, this lasts. And like the $2,000 a month that the government is giving, fine. And some like be in further markets two hours away from main cities, that could work. But if you're in Toronto right now and your rent is like 3000 a month and all of a sudden you lose your job, like you are not going to be able to do much with that 2000 bucks, regardless. Yeah, that's very true. And it's very hard to adjust the past now because it's gone past us, right? And I've been talking a bit about the past. But I'll tell you, one thing I've been practicing since 1999 is an old um, Jewish law, which means you, you plant for six years and you rest the seventh. You rest the soil in the seventh year. I know we talked about this before and you're laughing at me, but you know, I do Because yeah, sometimes I like to try to call you out on stuff. <laughs> I, I know. I'll tell you something. You're probably the only person that calls me out on everything. I mean, you call me to talk about real estate, but you still call me out on it too. I mean, it's crazy. I, I got I to gotta keep everyone on their toes. So including you, I, I got to, you know, take everything with a grain of salt. And I'm sure everything you say is great, but sometimes there's just some things I'm like, really, is this actually true? Or is this a story here? Well, again, it's, it's called true. a- I know, it's true. I, re I it's, looked it up. <laughs> looked it up, right? So every six years, you leave the land for the seventh year. How is this important to real estate? Well- in the past, I would buy a bunch of properties and always have one in the ready six position. Ready six means ready, six means behind me to back me up, a property ready to be sold at a moment's notice so that I'm liquid. So let's say I had five, I had five properties, I'll have one that I'm, I have it ready to sell. It's like a calf. You have five cows and one's ready to go to market. And then if I sense something's going wrong, I sell that right away, now I'm liquid. And because I'm liquid, then I'm able to use that liquid to buy two properties in the downtime. So it used to be six years and then drought or six years and the rest of land. In other words, buy five or six properties and buy an extra one. But now you have to literally buy three properties, two to keep, one in your ready six, meaning fatted and ready to be sent to market. 
And then you, if you suspect something goes wrong, you sell it, so you're liquid. And now that I'm liquid today, I'm able to buy what people can't hold on to. So it's a 5,500 year tradition. I didn't invent it. I just find people who always seem to succeed outside of recession, and I follow what they do. So when What's I tell you the story, it's called again? What was What's that? it called again? I think it's called the Schist myth or something. Yeah, okay. That, that just sounds strange to me. But. I, I, I'm not Jewish. <laughs> I just know who to follow, right? And, you know, the Jewish population have done some amazing things and they survive. And guess what? So I look and see what they do and I do it. And when I tell you about it, you give me a hard time. Like I'm just talking, but I do. I follow the greats. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's good. Hey, whatever. I mean, it is, it is what it is. Everybody, everybody's got their stories. I mean, sometimes I just got to Google them to make sure that they're actually real. This and was I, not a real estate story. It was just about the fact that like every sixth year, it was about the harvest or something along those lines. And I'm like, yeah, the same, the law of the harvest, right? You have to plant and you have to water and you have to weed and you have to nurture that plant and then you have to harvest. And if you do all those things right, you actually get something but you have to rest the land too, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, it, it is what it is. You got to keep get kept on your toes, I guess, once in a while. So, well, you, you definitely keep me on my toes. That's, that's for sure. So what do you recommend real estate investors do right now in times like this? Somebody that's got so, you know, a handful of real estates, rental properties, what's the best thing that they could do today? Well, you really have to find people who are liquid, who have access to cash and create that relationship with them in case you need to borrow private money, number one. Number two, you have to close up shop. When I say close up shop, I mean you have to run a tighter ship because now we could be in a recession. Who knows? So you have to be more careful about every decision you make, and you have to, let's say, some people have like a cavalier attitude. They'll say something like to me like, you know, I'll buy a property. I'll buy it wholesale. And if it's 5000 I pay or if it's 100000 I pay, I don't care. As long as I pay it, and it's a good deal. I don't care about that. But now they have to look at it carefully and say, maybe I'm not going to pay that 5000 or that 100000 Maybe I should pay 50000 you know, when I do my, when I, when I buy wholesale property. So we have to tighten up a little bit in some of the things that we do because it's not all milk and honey anymore. It will be again, but it isn't right now. So hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. <laughs> Sounds good. Awesome. <laughs> So what are you, uh, you're in uh, social self-isolation and whatever you call it. What are you doing with your time? Well, you know what? I am by nature a recluse. I spend probably 80% of my time alone and I spend time with my daughter who I love and uh, my parents and my, my family. So what am I doing right now? I'm doing what I always do. I'm just socially isolating. <laughs> this is your regular life, I guess. It's my regular life. You know, but I do feel as though I want to get out now and uh, it's been a couple, it's been about a week and a half. I haven't really seen outside and uh, yeah, I have to get out there and do some stuff, you know, uh, walk and, uh, you know, travel a little bit. Once things are clear, I'm going to make up all that. I haven't, I haven't been skydiving in a year. I haven't done whitewater rafting, haven't done mountain climbing, haven't done scuba diving. So as soon as everything clears, uh, I'm, I'm getting out there because obviously there'll be a lot of discounts as well. A lot of resorts that are dying for business, and uh, you know what? I'm I'm fortunate because I've I've been practicing the the uh, six year and rest and being liquid. I will be able to do something, even though some people are in tough situations. 
and I'm going to help some folks that are investors as well. Ones that I, I believe in, uh, I'll be there for, for them to help them as well. But yeah, I'm going to have to get up and start uh, enjoying the, the planet, which I haven't been doing. Hopefully the weather gets warmer. I know it. I was, uh, I was just thinking I haven't been outside. Well, like other than for walking and like I went running a couple of times for three weeks. So, and I'm not used to like being home. Like if I'm home, it's, I'm on podcasts, like maybe, and then the rest of the week I'm actually out. So kind of the opposite where it's, it's kind of interesting to be inside and uh, have all of your meetings and everything on zoom, but you know, Hey, it is what it is. Like, I think I was reading something that like we were asked to sit on the couch while generations ago they were fighting in the war. So we're better, like we're better equipped today, obviously. And We'll all suck it up and we'll, we'll do it. It's important to stay home. And, you know, I, I talked to a friend of mine. I'm glad I never saw them. They have COVID and she, like, they both have COVID and they were saying that it's like the, one of the worst things that they've ever experienced. And it's quite interesting because some people have symptoms and some don't, but she may actually have to check herself into the hospital. So it is scary. Like when you actually don't know somebody, you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, like, is it really that bad? And then you actually know somebody that has it. You're like, oh shit. Okay. It's actually, it sounds horrible. Well, you know, it's very true. You know, I take most things with a grain of salt, but a couple of days ago, I was watching something on television and this young guy, who's like 55, in great condition, he has it and he was suffering. I mean, my parents are 85 and 86 and literally it actually began to scare me. I haven't felt fear in a long time, but I'm thinking, my gosh, this, no, I haven't, I don't have a friend like you do who has it, but I will, I'm sure somebody that I know has it. And uh, yeah, it, it becomes a reality when you're living it uh and it's a tough thing but yeah i've actually felt some fear about it and concern about it and again what's to come in two or three years it, these viruses seem to be a bit more creative every few years so we have to prepare for that it's interesting because i feel like like as a population we forget right like we forgot about sars we forgot about a lot of things I mean, this I think is going to take longer to recover from, but at some point we go back into our regular normals. And I think it's important that we, we don't and we somehow remember today. And if you are, or if you look back at it and you were in a tough spot, you know, don't live so close to the edge if you don't have to, right? Save for that rainy day because the rainy days happen more often than we think. And Matt, on that note, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for providing your insight, your opinions. It's always a pleasure. I think it's your third time on my podcast. So you are probably the most recurring guest I've had. So thanks for everything. Well, you know what? I feel special, but we do have to get together as a group and we do have to uh, be advocates for the landlord tenant board and deal with them because there are some real people right now who are really going to suffer. And yeah, so I'm prepared to work with whoever to make that happen. Awesome. Okay, let's do it, guys. Let's, let's get together for this, the other landlords, the other investors, let's go to Ontario Landlords Watch, let's help Kayla, and uh, we're going to be stronger together. So thanks very much for listening and tuning in this week. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.